live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Is it me, or does it feel like there's a certain buzz coming from a certain university in Queens that we haven't felt in, I don't know, years? They've been doing this for years. 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 In fact, if we're being honest and we're being fair, decades. Decades. Years. Decades. Years. Decades. Years. That buzz. But that'll happen when you hire one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. And yes, I said it. Of all time. I touched on it in the final moment of the program yesterday, but I want to talk some more about it right now. I'm talking about St. John's getting their guy. St. John's hiring Rick Patino. I mean, for real. No punchline. I know you clones will have lots of punchlines, which I will address a little bit later on. However, what I'm saying is I cannot get enough of this. I can't get enough of this guy. I can't get enough of a dude who is now 70. 70. 70 and returning to the big stage. 70 and returning to the big leagues of college basketball. The big leagues of college basketball on a New York bleeping stage. One close to where he started that journey about 40 years back. Oh, you know, about three hours northeast up the interstate at Providence. This dude is 70. I love it. I love it. I love him. Honestly, I do. I love the story. I love the hire. I think the hire is a home run. And I said that too. Even at age 70. That's how rare that dude is. That's how different that dude is. And before some of you, and by some of you, I mean all of you, start tweeting about his past, just know I know. You're not telling me anything I don't already know. I'm not ignoring his past mistakes, transgressions. I'm not condoning it, nor am I acting like it didn't happen. These things are as much a part of his legacy as the dubs and the titles, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve this shot. He does. He does, and it says here that it's a hell of a hire by St. John's. I mean, I love the hire. The dude can still coach. Hell, he's always been able to coach. Like I said, he's on my short list as one of the greatest coaches ever, ever. On any level. And certainly one of the greatest college coaches ever. I mean, the the resume on this guy is insane. And he's proven it yet again. I'm not talking about what he did back in the 90s. I'm not talking about what he did in the mid-2000s. Over the last three years, he's led Iona to the NCAA tournament twice. Even at 70, the guy's lost almost no velo at all. Nothing off his fastball, and he's made it clear he wants to be in the game for at least another 10 years. Hell, he just signed a six-year deal with St. John's. A 70-year-old dude who just signed a six-year deal with a Big East program. Pretty amazing. Now, you all know I live that reinvention lifestyle. You all know that there's nothing more intriguing to me right now than a guy who or a person who knows how to continually reinvent themselves. That's this guy. Reinvent, recharge, continue to attack 
to attack the day with that drive that he's already had, that same passion. I mean, this dude is still hungry. And, of course, if we know this about Patino, he is the absolute master in rebuilding programs and big programs, historic programs, programs like Kentucky, Louisville. And now he's got an opportunity. Hell, he's got the mandate to do the same thing at St. John's. Now, I know the entire city is pumped. Because you desperately want to be relevant in that sport once again. Something you have not been this century. At least not in college basketball. You know that this is the guy that can get you there. And I mean that. St. John's has not been relevant this century. They haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 2000. 2000. That was the year after Ron Ron was still Ron Ron. That was the year after Ron Ron departed for the NBA and Mike Jarvis, Mike Jarvis had Eric Barkley running point. I mean, it's been that long since the Red Storm has advanced to the round of 32. And how long ago was that? That round of 32 loss came against a first-year head coach at Gonzaga by the name of Mark Few, a first-year head coach. That's how long ago that was. Hell, they've been to one Sweet 16 since Lou Carnesecca left in 92. One tournament in the past eight years. That's how long. And I got to say, essentially, there's no doubt in my mind that this great turnaround artist will not work his magic once again at St. John's. He will. The dude's already starting to speak it into existence. He told the New York Post, quote, I want to make it a top 20 program. I want to go back to Louis days when they were a perennial power, not only in the Big East, but the entire country. I wouldn't even consider taking it if I didn't think that that was a distinct possibility. I'm telling you, man, this dude, this is not like his walk-off. This is not like the last paycheck. I mean, this dude wants it badly. He wants to be relevant. I mean, he is, but he wants to be competing on the big stage once again. I mean, dude practically makes 70 seem like the new 40. He still has that maniacal drive. He still has that fantastic energy. He still has that grit, that grind, that work ethic, that passion, and he's got old man toughness. Except he doesn't look or act that old. Not like an old man anyway. And if it's anything like any of his previous rebuilds, shouldn't take that long. Not a question of if, but a matter of when. He gives the program credibility. Credibility that it has not had in a long, long time. And again, with Patino, not only can he coach, not only can he X and O with anybody, He's always been able to recruit. He still can. And now he's got the portal at his disposal as well. So what I'm saying is watch the hell out. Look the hell out. The Big East is already loaded and it just got a whole hell of a lot better because the Red Storm is coming. I know it. All of Queens knows it. And before you know it, Rick will have these pups no longer pissing on the porch but eating like 
big dogs. I don't even watch TV, but I heard everybody already picked, their, picked the Packers over us. Stop playing with us. That's all I got to say, man. Don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. It's all dog around this mug, too. I love it. I love this story. I really do. I love the story. Now, here's the part of the story that I do not love. What I don't love is what Rick Patino means to a lot of you clones. Like I said already, I'm not condoning a lot of these previous choices. I've not forgotten about it. Believe me, he's taken plenty on this program and elsewhere. But I see a 70-year-old guy that has reinvented himself, that still wants it, that's still really effective. I see a basketball Hall of Famer, an imperfect guy to be sure, but who amongst us is perfect. I'm not saying any of what he did was all right back in the day. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I see a basketball Hall of Famer, flawed, but a basketball Hall of Famer. But what many of you see and think about exclusively is a table at an Italian restaurant. So, rather than let you turn this into three hours of that, I'm just going to play Mark in Hollywood, and this is going to cover it for you. All right? Here you go. But, Les, my man, you didn't even talk about Rick Pitino's hair. I mean, that guy looks like he ripped one of Kellen Winslow's Vaseline tubs and dumped it into that slick. Well, you, Rick, you don't want to do that because you'll end up like Cameron Diaz in Something About Mary. You know, Jim has a sidebar back in Philly when we did that to our girls. We call that a But, you know, I'm just wondering if this translucent slime bag decided to play it safe or if he rolled up on that diner counter bareback. War Patino using angel hair pasta as a contrast. Ah! No. You don't like that color. I don't like that color. You clones good? Can we move on? And by move on, morons, I mean I don't need another thousand rigatoni as condom tweets. And not one more Tortatelli Trojan email. You've done it for years. This is not a green light for you to step up your efforts. Take it someplace else. 1-800-636-8686. Meanwhile, Iona reportedly has not waited very long at all. Iona. 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 They've already found a replacement. That didn't take very long. Not that they didn't know that they were going to lose Rick Pitino, because they did, but they already found their replacement. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. 
If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? My guest is Steve Howie. Steve, it's great to have you on. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing, Jim? Good, good. Good to have you, Steve. It's, uh, I, 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 hey, Jim, sorry. I, I'm starring in the show, man. I'm not a co-star. I'm starring in the show. Number one, baby. Dude, that Number is so, one. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because it, I was going to be so wrong because I was going to ask you about that. In fact, I'm glad you corrected me. No, I'm not. I never want to be corrected. Anyway, but Steve, you're right. You are number one. I want to ask you something about that because your co-star... Your co-star, Omar Miller, said to you, are you ready to be a number one? So I do stand corrected. When he asked you that, did you know what he meant? And are you ready to be the number one? Um, that, yeah, that I'm still trying to figure that out. But yeah, uh, Omar Miller uh, asked me that. And uh, I was like, yeah, what do you, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. And then when we got into after the you know, uh, pulled muscles and sleep deprivation. And, uh, you know, the, the, the majority of the dialogue and the, in, in driving the story, I, I did, I, I knew what he meant by that because it's a huge uh, amount of responsibility, but I will say my 13 year old self would be freaking out right now that I have this job. So, Careful what you wish for. You just might get it. This there, is a dream come true. Steve, how are you joining us? So what about that? Like, you're starring in a series that, of course, was inspired by the movie in the 90s, a James Cameron film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. I remember, Steve. Yeah. I remember going to that movie. Yeah. I remember. I remember going to that movie. I remember because Arnold was like the biggest thing in the world at that time, and I was a huge Arnold guy. What about you? Did you see it back then when you were younger, or did you not see it until much later? No, I saw it in the theater, too. I, I remember it. I mean, I was a huge Schwarzenegger fan growing up, obviously Conan, um, Terminator, Predator. I mean, you know, um, and then James Cameron. I mean, and, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis. These are legends, you know, in cinematic history. So it was it, it was just, you know, if they, if you're going to do a remake, this is this is the one to do. Also, they're big shoes to fill. So. My other co-star, Ginger Gonzaga and Omar and Mike and Erica, we all wanted to do something original as much as possible, make it our own, you know, uh, because we wouldn't, we, there's no way you can uh, fill those shoes. They're just, they're movie icons. Steve, I thought you said that you were not a co-star, that you were the number one. You just said my other co-stars. The other, well, ex, the other, ex, the other extras. Just... Yeah, the other background with one. Yeah, no, I can I, say. I got you. I got I'm you. I'm trying to be humble. I got you. I know. And it's I'm hard. Trying. Hey, look, man, you got a lot going for you, man. I, I, it would not be easy to be humble. You've had a really nice career. Let me ask you, when you do a remake, like you just said, if you're going to do a remake, this is the one you do a remake of. So do you try to make it as close to the original as possible, or do you intentionally go the other way and put a different spin on it? It's a good question. Um... You know, look, I mean, we're, you know, a, a, we want to make a good show. We want to make it good where people can tune in and have a little bit of action, a little bit of romance, a little bit of fun. Um, and at the same time, hopefully they'll stick around and watch the commercials. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> the advertising pays the bills of the day. 
So we want to do, we got to, you know, we wear a lot of hats, but I was so fortunate and lucky that the cast was so wonderful. And I was like, oh, you're my people. I'm going to take care of you. This is going to be fun. And it was, it was a lot of fun. We had such uh, an amazing time. And we have great guest casts that came in. So on Wednesday night, um, Matt Lillard comes in to play the wolf and he elevated the vibe. He brought so much energy and was like, oh, okay, big dogs are ready to play. We got to step up our game. And you play to the height of your competition. And so when he brought that, we were like, we all stepped up, you know, and uh, that we really needed that because that was our, that's our fourth episode. And uh, going into it, it was, we shot the pilot one, you know, two, three, and this, you know, is our fourth, but yeah, uh, Tom Arnold from the, the original movie. Yep. He's in the show. Um, we got Beverly D'Angelo, uh, another legend, the beautiful Beverly D'Angelo. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's just, it's cool. I'm having a great time. These are some OGs. Steve Howie joining us. You know, Steve, it's kind of interesting. You, you have a lot of range. Like, you've been in the business now 20 years. You've done a lot of different things. Like, when you think about Arnold and the genre back in the day, right, you think about, like, I mean, these guys were studs. Arnold, Sly, Bruce Willis. Denzel, you know, dudes like that back in the heyday. Do you bring any of that to that, or is that just something totally different? Is that breed just dead and gone? Because, man, that was so fun back then. I don't want to be that old head, but, man, that was fun back then. I know, but I think it's relative, man, because, like, those are my heroes too. But, you know, their heroes were Charles Bronson and John Wayne, and those. So it's it's every generation, it's different, right? I mean, I, I remember growing up and one of my favorite movies of all time, I had it on VHS tape, was Big Trouble in Little China. Hmm. Like that, I had to watch that all the time because, um, you know, yeah, I, I think it is like the, the action movie star, you know, there, there's still studs out there that are doing it, right? I mean, I went to John Wick 4 last night. Dude, I was lucky dude. to get invited. Okay, without yeah. giving without without yeah. giving it up, we all I was already having the conversation with my wife about, hey, you know it's dropping this weekend, don't you? Without giving it away, how did you feel about it? Were you disappointed? Were you hyped? I watched the third one again yesterday in preparation. You, don't give it up, but how did you feel walking out of that? Last I won't night? give it up. I will say, if uh, there should be like a trigger warning, if you don't like awesomeness <laughs> if you don't like intense like the, the some of the best if not the best intense action sequences of stunt fighting and everything it, it was unrelenting action and keanu reeves talk about studs who are action stars dude give him all the flowers because Hell he's yes. doing his own stuff He's flipping people, he's popping people, he's elbowing, he's leg locking and, and dry, he's doing all his own stunts. And, and an amazing stunt team, Chad and 8711, that that stunt uh, team is extraordinary. I had the, 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 the crowd, I mean, this is in LA, you know what I mean? Like we were all like oohing and on and, and like uh, applauding. That, go see that movie. That is a fantastic wow. action Dude, film. Wow. That, that yeah. is an, that, that's an amazing response. Yeah. Steve Howie is joining us. I'm so pumped. So pumped that you said that. I mean, apples to oranges. And I don't want to dumb this oh, thing no. down. But like, dude, born or wick? <laughs> born or wick? 
Ooh, how do you do me like that? That's tough. You know what I mean? It's like LeBron or Kobe or like Jordan or LeBron. I right? don't know. Yeah. Um, I would have to say, I would have to say Wick because Bourne is trying to figure out who he is, right? And so he's going through this and kind of this, John Wick is going straight through the wall and he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, it's, it's on purpose. It's indicate it's, it's, it has direction. It has intention. Jason Bourne's like, I don't know my name. Let me just like, you know, kick these seven dudes butts, but you know, it'd be frustrating uh, not knowing your name. That would kind of suck. Well, that's just like every Friday night for me or Saturday morning. (laughs) Dude, preach. Well, we're the same guy, except I can't act. That, that, that's amazing. Hey, Steve, let me ask you something. Like, for instance. Yeah, but you have the voice. Hold on. You got the voice, though. Can I just say you have the voice? Got a bit of that. you for decades now. Well, I appreciate you. You I appreciate are old you. as hell, but. Uh, yeah, but, but hold, but hold it voice. together, though. Dude, if you knew how old I really was and how good I still look, you'd be turning that thing around, all right? I still look pretty damn good. <laughs> Maybe for, you should dude, be. Dude, I'm, old, I'm old enough to be your dad, and I still look this good. I'm old enough to be Rick Pitino's dad, Please. and I still look this good. Respect, man. Put some respect on I this bet, face. I, 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 you got it. You okay. got it. You hey, still have the goat? Are you still rocking the goat team? Yeah, man. The wife won't let me take that down. Oh, so it's up to her. Yes, 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 yes. It's up to her. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Speaking of fam, Steve, like, for instance, I couldn't wait to show my kids when they were of age. Like, if I were to say to you, tell me a movie that you have to show your kids. The movie I couldn't wait to show my kids until they were of age was Die Hard. What about you? What was a movie you had to show your kids? Ooh, well, you know, look, my kids, their parents are both actors. So we're twisted a little yeah. bit. And, uh, you know, my my son, who was, um, God, how old is he? Eight? We went and saw The Revenant in the, in the theaters. And so that was a little intense. Um, I, I let him see some things. I, I'm more on the American side and not the European side, where I think violence is easier to um digest and sexuality you know how europeans is the opposite sexual yes. is like it's okay some sexual is okay for kids and violence is terrible i don't know like i'm a you know we're we're american we're used to violence and i just think it's like it's not that i'm gonna go do it just because i see it so i'll, I'll let him see some gnarly things but i think the movie that that i wanted him to see oh gosh i mean you know we just saw um Oh, I can't say. I can't say that movie. I, I'm going to be a terrible parent. If there's most actions, most, a lot of R-rated movies, my kids can see if I'm there. Um, but like, you know, they're horror movies. You know that movie, Heredity? Oh, it's terrifying. It's so good. My my son saw that and he had a, he had a nightmare that night. Right. And it reminds me of when I was a kid because my parents let me see The Exorcist. When I was seven years old. No, dude, that was so scary. <laughs> that was so scary. I, you know, I'll tell you a movie I saw when I was a kid that didn't go well. This movie, I think, dropped in 1973 called The Legend of Hell House. Scared the hell out of me, man. We were at summer camp when oh. we went like Bass Lake. And for some reason, I was in the theater and I thought that was a good idea to see it nine or whatever it was. I don't know, man. I'm not about that genre. So I, that, that, that's not my deal. Dude, before you go, you're a baller. You were good enough to get a scholarship, correct me if I'm wrong, to Northeastern Junior yeah. College in Colorado, right? 
that well. Yeah. You're six four. Yeah. What was your game like? Did you spend some time in the paint? How'd you get after it? How'd you get down? Yeah, I I I, I balled in the halls of CIF. Yeah, um, I like it. I grew up in SoCal. Um, yeah, um, I was um, I was you know I started playing organized basketball at my my freshman year of high school. So I was pretty athletic and uh, I was scrappy. But so when I got that scholarship to uh, the JUCO, it's a junior college, two years, I played shooting guard on offense and power forward on defense. Mm. If that can tell you how my game is. And because I got a low center of gravity and I would just stick my butt into these dudes' knees and they couldn't rebound nothing because I would just take their knees out because their knees were right where my hips were. So I would, I was the best box out. They hated me. I would react like an actor that I am then. I'd be like, Oh, rat. <laughs> and then, you know, they cr cry a little bit. And so, yeah, so the acting was already starting uh, when I was playing over there, but then, yeah, after two years, I was done because I was like, these guys are, we had a guy on our team. His nickname was fat man. He was anything, but he had a 10 pack, he barely worked out. All he did was eat Twizzlers. He would dunk it in his socks. He would shoot a three. And while the ball was in the air, he would turn around and call out our full court press. And then it would swish. And it was just like, I can't compete with that. I, I can't compete with that. And then they get to the major universities. And then there's not, you're not even, at, you can't even get to the pro. So I, uh, we, I then transferred my skills to the uh, NBA Entertainment League where that's probably the highest competitive basketball because you're dealing with all these celebrities with the biggest egos and it was not friendly. Oh, I got stories. I'll come back and I'll tell you some stories. I would about love it. I would love NBA it. We'll go long. I would love to hear about that. You know, it's going to follow you up. So really quickly, the show true lies Wednesday nights, right? 10 yes. PM Eastern. True lies. True lies. My bad. Wednesday true. nights. Yep. CBS. And, and uh, you can see it on uh, streaming on Paramount Plus. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. I'm not really sure that there has been a time that I can remember where one of the favorites, an overwhelming favorite, or at least the number one seed overall, was as unlikable as this year's Alabama Crimson Tide team. For instance, Duke. People hate Duke, but people love Duke. It's one or the other. It's like the Yankees. People hate the Yankees. People love the Yankees. When I'm looking at this Alabama team outside of Tuscaloosa, I'm seeing a lot of dislike, and it's easy to see why. That's not a very likable outfit right about now, and that's putting it nicely. They're kind of like the bad boys of college basketball, except that they earned that nickname off the court with capital murder indictments instead of brutal physical play on the court, right? In fact, never mind bad boys they're just bad guys 
That's what happens when you spend a season stacking capital murder indictments and pat-down intros and tone-deaf comments from the head coach and fans wearing killing our way through the SEC in 23 shirts. What happens is you find out that it's really hard for people to root for you other than Faye. Because Faye, I think, has got some action. I myself had some action. Jungle juju. I, I hit them before that story broke. And I'm not even rooting for them. I get paid if they win. And I find it very hard to root for them. People find it very hard to pull for a coach who tried to cover for his star player's involvement in a fatal shooting by saying that he was at the, quote, wrong spot at the wrong time, which was an all-time terrible take. All-time terrible take. Somehow even worse than LeBron's not a failure at all. Last season was not a failure at all. Not a failure at all. No. Yeah, it's even worse than that. In fact, much worse. LeBron's take is an all-time terrible take, but Oates' take is so much worse. Oates also tried to hit us with, he, quote, can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. As if somebody being shot and killed in Tuscaloosa and Alabama basketball players somehow being involved is like just somehow a case of kids being college kids rather than what it actually is, a capital murder case that Alabama players were involved in. That's why some of us are finding it tough to hype the tournament number one overall seed right about now. And I never thought that I would say this, but by some of us, you know who's included in some of us? Nick Saban. Apparently Nick Saban is not a big fan of Nate Oates or that squad either right now. And yes, Saban is dealing with one of his own, quote, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Except that's not the explanation he's giving for it. I'm talking about freshman DB Tony Mitchell, who was arrested last week in Florida on drug and weapons charges. And according to Holmes County, Florida Police, Mitchell accelerated to 141 miles per hour, 141, while attempting to flee. And I did not misspeak. 141 miles per hour. How many of you listening have ever hit that number driving? I'm in my late 50s, as Howie pointed out. Actually, he said I was, quote, old as hell. He's right. I'm in my late 50s, and not to be a bag, but I've owned cars that go that fast. Not to be an even bigger bag, I own a car right now that will go that fast. I've only gone that fast once in my entire life. Once. And that was at the brickyard with only one car on the track, the pace car, and I wasn't even driving. Jimmy Johnson was. And he got the pace car up to 150, and I'm not going to lie. It was pretty scary. But this dude was going 141 while attempting to flee the scene. Like, terrifying stuff. And another horrible look for that athletic program and the SEC. But at least Saban, 
unlike Oates, didn't act like it didn't happen. Didn't act like it was just one of those things. Didn't act like, well, Saban. And accused all of us of feeding his dude rat poison. No. Saban suspended Mitchell from all team activities indefinitely. Then he hit the podium and essentially used the opportunity to set the record straight on Mitchell and on Oates and the Crimson Tide Hoops program. Remember, remember that Oates quote, wrong spot at the wrong time. Remember that quote when you listen to this from the dictator about his player yesterday. Tony Mitchell has been suspended from the team on all team activities until we gather more information about the situation and what his legal circumstance is. And, um, you know, I mean, guys, everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being at the wrong place at the wrong time. You got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around, and what you do, who you associate yourself with, and uh, the situations that you put yourself in. So, um, it is what it is, but uh, there is, you know, cause and effect when you make, you know, choices and decisions that uh, put you in bad situations. Well, look at that. Preach, red ass. Oh, red ass is back. Dropping truth bombs and swinging at his own basketball coach. Dude just took a flamethrower to Nate Oates. He didn't just run him under the bus. He set him on fire, and then he ran him under the bus. Wouldn't expect those two to be exchanging notes and thoughts on how to lead and motivate young athletes anytime soon, or how to handle criminal activity anytime soon. And yes, Bama fan, I am well aware that Mitchell has not been charged with anything at all, but that does not mean that he's not guilty. He is. He is. He's guilty of extremely horrible judgment. And absolutely, the university can take action, even if authorities haven't. Just know this, Saban clearly is not buying any of that bullcrap that came flying out of Oates' pie hole then or even now. Quote, there's no such thing as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around, and what you do who you associate yourself with, and the situations you put yourself in. End of quote. And being at the wrong place at the wrong time, you got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around, and what you do, who you associate yourself with, and uh, the situations that you put yourself in. Hey, Nate Oates, you taking notes? Because that's the answer that you should have given. You know, it's been almost a year since Saban's feud with Jimbo Fisher, a.k.a. Thinskin. You know, the one where Jimbo called him a despicable narcissist? It's despicable. A narcissist. And he thinks he's God? And it was like the best thing ever? Or so I thought. It was the greatest coaching beef ever until Saban one-upped it by turning on his own basketball coach in the middle of a major tournament run. Saban might be a giant red ass but he's also trying to be a giant wet blanket on his own athletic program, and I could not respect it any more than I do. He's right. He's right. Of course he's sitting there all red-assed and bent because, one, 
the basketball team is better than the football team right now. You know he doesn't like that at all. <laughs> that Oates was turning that into a basketball school. <laughs> no, you know what he's pissed about, too? Is that it's making his program look bad. It's making the entire athletic program look bad. It's making the school look bad. It's making everybody look bad. Of course, red ass is red assed. That's what red ass does. But here's the other thing that red ass does. He backpedals. He can still hit a backpedal like he's still at Kent State playing DB in the early 70s. That's how thin skin v. red ass ultimately ended with both these dudes backing down and both dudes claiming everything's all good. Even though Saban said that Jimbo, quote, bought every player on his team, end of quote. And even though Jimbo called Saban a despicable narcissist who thinks he's a god. A narcissist. Yet despite all those fighting words, words that almost ensured that hands could be thrown, they both backed the hell down. This time the whole backpedal moved at lightning speed because only a few hours after Saban and his Coca-Cola walked off the podium, this tweet from a Tuscaloosa news columnist popped up. At Chase Goodbread, quote, affirmatively told, among other scribes, that Saban saying there's no such thing as being in the wrong place at the wrong time was not a reference to UA basketball coach Nate Oates. Coincidental. End of tweet. Alvy, can you help me out here? Let me take a breath first. All right, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a quinky dink. <laughs> My man. You're seriously asking us to believe that the football coach at Alabama just happened to use the same exact wording. The same exact wording as his basketball coach. But it's got nothing to do with the other. He just happened to use that phrase in the exact opposite way to make the exact opposite point in talking about his own player. But he wasn't talking about his basketball coach. Good luck finding anybody who's going to believe that red ass. Absolutely, that was a reference to Nate Oates. Absolutely, it was. I mean, come on, Nick. I'm trying so hard to give you all the credit in the world. Credit for coming down strong on a player who made some really bad choices. Credit for calling out Nate Oates. I'm giving you all this credit, which you deserved. And now you're backpedaling once again like you're running around in spandex at the Combine. Come on, red ass. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. At least for more than two hours. And then don't turn around and blame it on the media. Or try and say it's some kind of quinky dink. Especially when we all agree with you, Nick. Nick, you've been in this game way too long to be doing things like that. Even if you are known for the backpedal. You said it. You meant it. I am holding you to it. I do not accept that that was a coincidence. Coinkydink denied, Nick. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. 
And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Joined right now by Larry Johnson. Larry, what's going on? It's great to have you. How are you? I appreciate that introduction, man. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Dude, now you have no idea how much I appreciate introducing you like that, but you're about to find out because here is why you had, it's great to have you on, you had a great career in the NBA, and I want to talk to you about that, but Larry, selfishly, I need to talk about the UNLV years because I went to UC Santa Barbara. I was there when Jerry Pym arrived. I was there when Brian Shaw showed up on campus. I was there when Ben Howland was an assistant, and I was there when you all would come coming to the Thunderdome. They were some of the best memories of my entire life as a student and a, as a young broadcaster. What do you remember about the great matchups and the energy in the Thunderdome back in the day? Oh, the great matchups. Now it's a great matchup now. Huh? Okay, okay. You know, I remember my two years, I played two years at UNLV, and my two years, uh, UC Santa Barbara was always uh, competitive. Um, I, my junior year, actually, when we won national championship, we lost. We lost up there, so I remember that vividly. Uh, getting my butt kicked when we went up there. Uh, I remember the campus was beautiful, and it was a beautiful day. And then we took an L. So, you know, they was always pretty, pretty competitive back then, man. And I don't know what's going on now, but. Yo, they had a nice program back then. Dude, you're so funny. Oh, oh, it was a great matchup. Oh, is that how it is? You, you beat me to it. I was yeah, going to say, yeah, well, we, great did, matchup, man. we, we did get you in 90. We got you in 90 when you guys won it all. The thing about that year was, I'm glad you remember that night because I was going to bring that up only because you did win it all that year. You only lost five games that year, and we got you in one of those five games. That, I was in the building that night. I mean, that was a wild night. Do you remember anything in particular about that night other than the L? No, uh, you know, that year, what I remember about that year, the, the, the five L's we took, the five losses we took, we was never at full force. Uh, we was always, uh, the year before, guys was missing games, and uh, they, you know, we was on that little probation thing. You know, uh, NC2A was always messing oh, now, with us. Oh, now it's and, a little probation uh, thing. We was on that little probation thing where guys <laughs> had to uh, sit out games. Only uh, somebody that played every game that year was me. And that was only because I wasn't at UNLV the year before. I was in junior college the year before, but everybody the year before got in trouble, and they had to pick and choose which games to sit out. And I think it was Moses Scary and David Butler that had to sit out the game against you guys, and uh, you guys got to yell. You got to win, so you did what you had to do. So. You know, it just made us stronger once we got back to full force. Larry Johnson joining us. I'll tell you what, you know, if availability is your best ability, I've talked to him about it over the years, Larry, but Greg Anthony, I think that was that the year, one of the years he had that broken jaw and he had it wired shut. And I think it was like for a month. And I remember he came into our building, man, and he hit the deck hard. He hit the deck hard. I'm like, this dude is going to have a shattered face. Man, my man popped right back up like it was nothing. <laughs> like how tough was Greg Anthony back in the day? He was a tough dude from Las Vegas, man. Uh, yeah, that was right around a month before the uh, uh, um, tournament started. He broke his jaw, and he wore, like, this mask, like this, uh, I don't know, like this Freddy Krueger mask he had on. Made him look scary, but, yeah. And then he just he just kept sticking his nose in it. And, uh, you know, he wanted it bad. And he couldn't talk for, like, a month, which was best for us. 
you know, because the best thing he do, he gets mad at me today because I tell him, man, you're a better uh, you're a better announcer than you were a basketball player. So he cusses me out when I say that to him. But, you know, I tell him, man, you your best attributes is you talk your butt off. So, you know, he couldn't talk for a month, so that helped us win it too. That but is tough, funny. Tough Las Vegas guy. That's yeah. really funny. Larry Johnson joining us. He's appearing today, courtesy of DirecTV for Business, which we'll get to in a minute. Larry, what about Tark? Like, I, I've been around a lot of guys. I don't ever think I've been around a team that loved to coach as much as you guys love Jerry Tarkanian. What was it about Tark? Why were you all so connected to Tark the way you were? You know, you hear guys, you hear when we talk all the time, uh, uh, athletes talk about their coaches and college coaches, and they start mentioning about a family and like a father figure. Well, you know, that's what Tark was. I mean, I don't know, I don't want to be a, a cliche, but, you know, he was he was dealing with inner city guys, guys that apparently, like myself, come from a broken home. I never knew my father. Uh, most of my coaches was like fathers to me. And then you get to UNLV, which is, I mean, you get to college, which is what? Right before you want to say adulthood, I guess, or right before you get out into the real world. So that was the last voice um, that, you know, the last male figure of authority that I would go through that that would help me throughout the rest of my life. And, uh, man, he was just straight up with it. You know, he, there was no sugarcoating anything with Coach Tart. Uh, he never played favorites. He treated me like the 12th man on the team. And, uh, you know, you respect him for that. You know, he, the love that we was pouring out for Tark, it was because of the love that not only Coach Tark, no, Coach Tark and his old family. I just went and saw uh, his his wife, uh, Lois, who was like mothers to us all. So, you know, the whole family, Danny, uh, George, the whole family was, was family. And that's, you know, you just, that's what it was with Coach Tark. And he treated every player the same. Larry Johnson joining us for a few more moments. So, Larry, we talked about 1990, and we may have gotten you in our building, but you got that whole thing. And not only that, you ran right over Duke. You won by 30, still the largest margin of victory in a championship championship game like going into that game did you expect to run them right out of the gym like that what were your expectations going into that night well first i noticed that you starting every question with how y'all got us up there oh yeah we got you I got i'm gonna you. end every question like that too man y'all didn't get anything man y'all stole a win y'all stole one win larry larry Stop larry larry larry, larry. You're, you're, larry my man you're a college hall of famer yeah. you understand the concept of scoreboard my man look up at it us seventy eight, you seventy. <laughs> My dude. <laughs> Listen, can I talk about the Duke game? I can't talk about the Duke game, right? Yeah, let's talk, talk about, the, about Duke the Duke game. game. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, tell me about that. What do yeah, you remember you, about that night? We, we, I tell you, we before, before that game, we got a boost. Um, we was all uh, Walter Payton fan. I don't know if you go back that far. Oh, I do. But yeah. Walter Payton coming to the locker room. Okay. Well, 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 Walter came in, and and, and and you know, Coach Chuck has some of the some of the craziest relationships. So how would he and Walter pay? Walter just loved Coach. And Coach asked him to come into the locker room and speak to us before the game. And, you know, his words, and he was telling us that you could be great tonight and 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 you guys may get to, never get this opportunity again. But I listened to everything Walter said, and I took it out on the court with me because, I, like I said, I was a big fan of Walter. The whole team was. 
And I don't think we expected uh, the the blowout that we got, you know, the the, the the records that we set, but we did expect to win the game. Larry, that that is a great story. Yeah, that that's a great story you tell. Yeah. What like before you go, who else? When you say Tark, and you're right, man, Tark knew everybody, and people love Tark. I'm kind of curious when you say that he brought in some like crazy relationships or people you might not expect, like Walter Payton. Like how was he connected to Tark? Who else do you remember? Like who else did Tark bring in? You're like, damn, how does he know him or her? I mean, listen, uh, I met I met the fighters. I met uh, Mike Tyson, Andy Van and Holyfield through Coach Tark. They was in office. Like yo, what you dudes doing at Coach Talk? You know, and they was they was over Coach Talk like he was the the star, right? You know, so you know he just had some of the craziest relationships. Everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. When I went to New York, you wouldn't believe when I played for New York. I got more talk questions from New Yorkers than anybody. Ah, oh, he biting on a towel. They all love Jerry. That, that, that's amazing, the way you just told that story. And I would say this, hey, I am of that age. I know. I used to cover the fights back then. Man, Ve- Vegas is still Vegas. Vegas will always be Vegas. But I was there for Tyson, Holyfield. Man, there was nothing like a lead-up to a big fight. Like, there was nothing like, you know, you guys running the way you ran back in the day. Except when we came into town. And I know that kind of frightened you guys a little bit. Anyway, dude, uh, take- <laughs> no, no, it did not. It did not. It did not. <laughs> oh my God. You're the best. Tell me about what you're doing with Direct TV for business. What are you doing with these folks? Well, I'm just back here in Las Vegas, helping Direct TV for business. Uh, you know, here in Las Vegas and all over the country, there's over 300,000 um, uh, bars and restaurants where you can go and watch these games. If you're a big time uh, basketball fan, and I know you are, like I am, they, provide over 300,000 uh, bars and restaurants to go watch the game. And I'm just here in Las Vegas at uh, Big Chicken and myself, uh, DirecTV for Business and Big Chicken, we're making a donation to the Shaquille O'Neal Foundation. That's awesome. Larry, so what's it like for you being back there? I mean, obviously you were the guy, so everybody's happy to see you. All the doors open up. But one last thought, since you're in Vegas, it's kind of crazy, right? Like what, the NFL is in Vegas, the NHL is in Vegas, the NBA is going to be in Vegas. What was it like when you guys, I mean, there was so much competition and so many shows, but you were the only game in town. What was it like back in the day when you were a college athlete and you guys were running the way you were? It was you hit it on the head. It was we were the only game in town. Um, uh, Wayne, you, you know, Wayne Newton. You was we was talking about Coach Talks and Wayne Newton. All these guys, you know, there were there was always shows, but the shows were secondary to the UNLV. The hardest ticket to get was the UNLV basketball game back then. Check it out in the nineties. You know when we was kicking UC Santa Barbara's butt and all that. The hardest ticket to get wasn't a Wayne Newton ticket or those tickets. It was a UNLV basketball uh, ticket. Oh no, then. preach, so, dude, preach. You know to be facts, facts. That's yeah, true. to be BMOC in in Las Vegas, but it's different now. So now you got the girls who, congratulations, won the NW, uh I mean, uh, 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 the women's NBA this year. They won that, and then you got uh, Raiders come in town. I've always been a big Raiders fan, so it's different now, along with the Knights. So now you got to share the share the spotlight, UNLV. You got to go back to winning. Now, hey, listen, it, it hurts me to say this, but it's true. When you guys came into the Thunderdome, it's like the freaking Lakers, man. You guys on your layup lines. It's just the, the buzz, man, the energy. And Thomas and Mac being sold out every single night. One last thought. Dude, you've been so awesome, by the way. Appreciate you so much. The Big West, a little shout-out for the Big West because we get no respect. Back then, 
I know you don't want to give anybody else credit, but, man, it was not a bad conference, right? Long Beach State, New Mexico State, us, you guys were top dogs, obviously, but we had three or four teams getting into the tournament back then. That conference was pretty nice, wasn't it? That conference was real nice. I mean, I in my two years at, at, in the Big West, I put our conference up against, uh, you know, all these conferences. But, uh, you know, the Big East ruled for a while, but – I mean, uh, you guys, uh, Long Beach State, uh, New York, New Mexico State, us, we would beat any of them teams over there. We would beat any of them teams in the West ACC, and we did. I think, uh, you know, my senior year uh, was 91. I think we had four or maybe five teams in the tournament that year, and I think everybody won their first game, including UC Santa Barbara. Hell yes. That's what I'm talking about. Finally, some respect. <laughs> That's Larry Johnson. I, Larry, I've been saying it on the show all day long. I've been looking forward to the conversation. And not only did you live up to all the hype, you smashed it. He appeared courtesy of DirecTV for business. Larry, really appreciate you. That was a lot of fun, dude. Thanks so much for doing that. Guys, thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. You have a great day, man. That was a lot of fun. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Let's go to Illinois, Tom. Nice to have you, Tom. How are you? I'm doing fine, Jim. How are you, sir? Good, good. You know, all we ever want to do is enjoy life. That's why we roll out of the rack every day and go to our mundane, stressful jobs and deal with things. And, you know, Patino had a great life to begin with. He was an eloquent speaker. He was an eloquent dresser. He turned Kentucky around after the Sean Mills-Emery thing. You know, and he's the only guy I think I know that when he was in the midst of winning the, the Final Four semifinal against Wichita State, he had a horse golden sense that was winning the Santa Anita Derby. Dude, that's a life we all dream of. And then it all came crashing down because of things that happened. But instead of blaming and going on talk shows and saying, poor me, this dude took a little time off, refreshed the batteries, jumped on a plane on Christmas night, flew to Greece, where he takes a bunch of non-English speaking guys who just think basketball's jacking up shots from all over and instantaneously teaches them to play defense and turns the team around and returns them to the prior glories that they had had for years. Then fast forward, the dude gets a house at Wingfoot, comes back to a small little school like Ken Reeves in the White Shadow, and he improves this program dramatically. But now, at the age of 70, like you said, like Ponce de Leon, found the fountain of youth. He gets to shake off the ghost of Chris Mullins. 
He's got Mike Rapoli, the horse owner, who says, hey, look, I'm going to get back involved in the program because we've got a winner here. They speak the same language. This guy's going to have a great life. He's going to turn the program around. He's going to have his horses at Belmont running up and down the road. He's going to be speaking, styling and profiling with the Wall Street people, getting money, getting recruits, doing everything for this program. But, Jim, all that I ask, if you can reach out to him, please ask him not to don a horrible sweater like Louis Karnasaka did. That's all we can ask for. I'm out. My man, Tom in Illinois, what a great call. Even if you don't agree with that, what a great call. What a great call. That's the way a call is supposed to sound, right? Show up, good energy, be smart with it, make some good points. You know, the thing is, if in fact he is going to be that connected to Mike Rapoli and he's going to have horses, you know who's going to help pick those horses? My guy, Alex Solis. Alex Solis is working with Mike Rapoli now. Let's go to Hartford. Mike in Hartford. Good to have you, Mike. How are you? What's up? Hey, Jim Brome. I love it, man. Mr. West Coast guy talking Northeast college basketball. <laughs> right? I like it. I like it. Nice. Hey, listen, I, listen, I know you like the Patino hire, but what about a little bit up the road with your boy, Ed Cooley, Mr. I'm going to visit uh, Wisconsin this summer. You know, he left Providence high and dry. He was the man at Providence uh, to go to a conference mate in the basement of the same conference, the Big East a conference I'm talking about. I don't know, Rome. I got some weird feelings, some bad vibes, some bad mojo for Mr. Cooley. I don't. I feel like it's not going to work out in, in D.C. He's the man in Providence in D.C. No matter how much winning he does, he's going to be behind the commanders, the nationals, and so on. Uh, he's just another person in D.C. In Providence, he's the man, Rome. That's my thought. I got you, Mike. I appreciate you. Nice job. I don't agree with you, but I appreciate you. Listen, Ed, that's not an easy gig. Pat Ewing couldn't make that work. John Thompson's kid couldn't make that work. Let's go to Louisville. Matt. Matt in Louisville. What's up, Matt? How are you? Hey, Romy. Thank God that, uh, that segment, that last caller is over. Let's get back to Patino. The city of Louisville has been depressed ever since Rick got let go. Should have never got let go. The man got exonerated. Patino, the coach, embodies everything a man should be driven, obsessed, prideful in what they do, attention to detail. The city of Louisville has not been the same. This march, and every march since 2017 in this town, has been nothing but depression. The lady card during the Sweet 16 got more fans for home games this year than the men. Rick Patino will have Manhattan and St. John's back in the Final Four in three years, mark my word. It'd be something else, wouldn't it? Can you imagine that? But look what he did when he went to Louisville. Look what he did when he went to Kentucky. Look at what he inherited when he went there. Look at what he did at Providence. You know, we're talking about a guy that went to the Final Four with three different programs. We're talking about a guy that won a championship with two different programs, although he did vacate one. Let's go to New York. John in New York. John, what's going on? Jimmy, my man, little tribute to James in Portland. Anyway, St. John's, Queens is hype. The city's hype. Basketball will be back in New York. And Rick Pitino brings, like you said, instant credibility to the big city. St. John's has been dead since the days of Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, Willie Glass. And then they've been dead ever since then, Jim. Jim, St. John's, when they make it back, 
it's not only good for New York, but it's good for basketball in general overall. And by the way, Mark in Hollywood can make fun of Rick Pitino when he wants about his hair, squirrels falling out of the tree. You know, when Rick brings the winning back to New York, Jim, what's going to happen is there's not going to be enough tables for him to dance on in the city because winning is what's important and college basketball is back in New York. We are hyped. We are psyched, Jim. Love the show. Love you. And by the way, Rick Pitino has done something Mark in Hollywood has. He's got a job. He got a job. He's employed, Mark, unlike yourself. Jim, I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. Rack him. Rack him. Does he have a golden ticket? Does John in New York have a golden ticket? He does now. Give it to him. Give it to him, Alvin. Give it to him. Hey, Rome. Is that all you have to do to get a golden ticket is say, I love you several times? No. You have to do that and pay your way to my Radio Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So you're saying, Rome, that golden tickets are for sale. I don't know. Verified blue checks are. Maybe they should be. Faye in South Carolina. Nice to have you. Faye, how are you? Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm great. I I want to talk to you about Patino. That was I like everything you said about him. He's 70. He's still relevant, and he's going to go and just do what he do, and it's going to shut all the naysayers up. Now, the second thing, I went to hear Buddy Guy last night, who at 86 is still relevant. Do you like blues? I like blues, Faye, but I don't love blues. But I like it. But, 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 I will tell you this. I like anybody who's still relevant, who can still do it at 86. I do like that. Oh, man, he was so cool, and he actually threw me a towel off the stage, so I have that to take home with me. But the main reason for my call is the reason I've got the blues today is because my bracket is busted. The only people that are still standing is Bama, and I need you to put some of that jungle juju like you did for FDU on them so I can win some money. Can you do it? I got you, Faye. No, I don't. Faye. Alabama, and I've got thoughts on this, which I will get to later on. I'm sorry to say this, Faye, and believe it, this is somebody who put money on Bama long before Bama went Bama. So you'd think that I'd want them to win. Bama does not get any, quote, jungle juju. Bama does not get any jungle mojo. Bama does not get any jungle juice. Bama does not get any jungle karma. Bama doesn't even get any jungle caramel. Bama doesn't get Jack. Do you know why that is? Because Bama has a former player facing capital murder charges And they're acting like nothing at all happened. So no, they don't get anything from the jungle other than the heat they deserve. Sorry, Faye, I'd love to help you out. But the answer is no. A resounding no. Otherwise, excellent call, Faye. Good night, 